Hello, MSU members. Welcome back to spring term and to our first podcast of the term. Today is not only the last day of Women's History Month, but it's also the birthday of Cesar Chavez. To honor the pivotal role Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta have played in improving the lives of farm workers to this day, the Multicultural Student Union would like to recap a moment from the 2015 Cesar Chavez Conference. The following words are those of Dolores Huerta. Not only did she co-fund the United Farm Workers alongside with Cesar Chavez, but she has continuously worked hard to improve social and economic conditions for farm workers and fight discrimination. We hope you enjoy the following speech. So we have to remember that because we who are here are very fortunate that we got a chance to go to high school to be preparados, no? But that doesn't mean that our parents or maybe the people that work at the school, the janitors or at your schools over there, the people that work in the cafeteria uh, and the farm workers that are out there every day picking our food, it doesn't mean que no están educados, okay? It doesn't mean que no están educados. They are not maybe preparados because they didn't get that opportunity to go to school like we did. So we always have to respect them. And just because we do get the chance to go to school doesn't mean that we're better than other people, right? It doesn't mean that. <laughs> and so we have to respect them and honor them for the work that they do. Because when you think about our country, and you know, we are the richest country in the world, the United States of America, and we have to think about who creates the wealth? ¿Quién hace la riqueza del país? It's the people that work with their hands. It's the people that work with their hands. It's the campesinos that pick our food out there in the cold, like right now, when the pruning and the planting that they're doing, or in, in the summertime when they're harvesting the food in the hot sun. It's the people that make our clothes, the people that build our buildings, you know, the people that make our cars. These are the people that create the wealth. And la gente que hace la riqueza, la gente que trabaja con sus manos. And I always like to say to people, now, if you had to be on a deserted island, like, you know, that television, uh, uh, series Survivor, and if they told you, you're going to be on this deserted island, but you can only take one person with you, who would you take, an attorney or a farm worker? <laughs> I think the answer is pretty clear, right? The answer is pretty clear. And we say that, and now that when I say that, that doesn't mean that I don't think that we should go to school. Yeah, we need to go to school. Uh, we need to be preparados because we know, especially in this country, it's very hard to survive if you do not have an education. But when we go to school, we have to think about why, why am I going to go to college? Why am I going to finish high school? Uh, because we do want to be able to uh, get a better job and to be able to, you know, to live uh, a comfortable life in the United States. But we shouldn't think that I just want to go to school to become a millionaire, you know? Forget that, because I don't care how much money you have, 
you can only eat three meals a day. Only three meals a day, you can only wear one suit of clothes a day, okay? No matter how much money you have. So what you think of, have to think about in my life that I have on this earth, and we think about Cesar Chavez, and this is what Cesar Chavez was in his life, what can I do uh, to make life better for other people? When I leave this earth, and I know that you're all very young, and you, th you're, gonna think, you think you're gonna live forever, but you're not, I hate to tell you that, okay? I hate to break that news to you. But when I leave this earth, what did I do in my life to make life better? So in our materialistic society that we have, we think, well, I want to get rich and I want to buy a lot of stuff, right? And you know, in our country, we buy so much stuff that we have to get a storage shed, you know, to put our stuff in. And then we have to buy a yard sale to get rid of the stuff that we've already got. And the thing is, when you die, you can't take it with you. You've never seen a hearse, you know, a funeral car, with the U-Haul behind it with your stuff, no? <laughs> Never. So when we leave this earth, what we want to do, we want to leave uh, a legacy of justice. Cuando nos morimos, queremos dejar una legada de justicia. Because when we leave a legacy of justice, nobody can take it away from you. Just like knowledge. Everything that you learn, no te lo pueden robar. Everything that you learn is your treasure, and nobody can steal that from you. Because we see many families that somebody dies, and then they leave money, or they leave property, or they leave jewels, and everybody starts fighting over that, right? Everybody wants some of the money, or some of the property, la casa, you know, están peleando por la casa, or, or lo que dejaron atrás, you know? So we don't want that, because we want to leave a legacy of justice, and that means that when you grow up and you have your families and you have your children, your grandchildren, they're going to remember the legacy of justice that you left, just like we are celebrating Cesar Chavez. That's why we're celebrating Cesar Chavez, because he left a legacy of justice. When Caesar died, and by the way, he died a very peaceful death, regardless of what people tell you, when he died, he had a brochure in his hand of Indian jewelry. He wanted to help the indigenous people. And when he died, he still had that piece of paper in his hand. He still had his glasses right here on his nose, okay? He died a very, very peaceful death. And that's why we remember Cesar, because of everything that he did uh, on this earth uh, to make life better for other people, especially for the farm workers. So when we celebrate Cesar, we celebrate his values, the values that he had, you know? And of course, one of those values that he had was of nonviolence. He believed, like Gandhi, like Dr. Martin Luther King, that we could really change the world without using violence. And the thing that we had to do is just come together, work together, and we could make it happen. So when he died, his annual salary was $6,000 a year. Because in the union, when I belonged to the union, we all worked and nobody really got paid. We got $10 a week and the union paid uh, all of our expenses. If somebody got sick, they had to go to the doctor, the union took care of them. But we didn't really have any money in hand. All of the money that we were able to raise went back to the organization so we could hire people and organize more workers. And I do have to tell you that 
the conditions for the farm workers were very, very bad. You know, the, they worked the sol a sol from sunup to sun, sundown without any kind of a rest period. We did not have water for the workers out there in the hot sun. No tenían agua fría, they didn't have cold water. They didn't have bathrooms for the women especially. And, and as you know, here in Oregon, it's the same thing. You have these fields that are many miles outside of the city, and there's no place to go to the toilet. There's no toilets. And so the women, they had to get a blanket or, or shirts to, to hide them when they went to the bathroom. These are inhumane conditions. And why do they do that? Because if they made the workers think that they were not human, because if you don't give people water, and you don't give people toilets, it's like people aren't human. And that way it was easier to them to oppress the, the people because they didn't give them the bare necessities. So when we think about the things that we fought, it was just to get those basic, basic human rights for farm workers, to treat them like they were human beings, not animals. And it took a lot to be able to do that. And so Cesar said from the beginning, we're not going to use violence, and we didn't, even when we had people killed. We had five people killed in the farm workers' movement, just so farm workers could get the right to organize and get those basic human conditions. You know, our first martyr was a young Jewish girl named Nan Friedman, and she was run down by a truck in a sugarcane field in Florida. She was only 18 years old, the age of some of you in this room. Our second martyr was a young Arab, Najee Daifala, and he was killed by a sheriff who hit him on the back of the head with a big flashlight. Najee was a very slight person, about my size, and actually smaller than me. And then after they hit him, the sheriff hit him with the flashlight on the back of the head, they dragged him on the gutter, on the curbs, hitting his head, and he died of a concussion. And within 24 hours after Naji was killed, they killed Juan de la Cruz. And he was standing on the picket line with a flag in his hand, and this labor contractor came by and shot him in the heart. Shot him in the heart, Juan de la Cruz. He was about 50 years old. Naji was only 21. But then we had two other martyrs. We had another martyr, Rufino Contreras, and he went into the field in the Imperial Valley, it was a lettuce strike, to what, went into the field to talk to some of the workers about why they were striking, to get a pension plan, and to get a medical plan for the workers, and to get better wages. And when he walked into that field, he was met with a hail of 80 bullets. Many of the workers hit the ground, and Rufino Contreras was the only one of that group that was killed. And he left a wife, Rosa, and two little children. And our last martyr was Rene Lopez. He was a young man. He was barely 19 or 20 years old. And what happened when Rene was killed, we had passed a law in California, thank you, that the farm workers could organize, that they had the right to organize. So he went and he organized his company, and everybody voted for the union. And so there was a lot of celebration going on. But then the owner of the company had his brother-in-law, who had worked against the election for the, uh, so the workers wouldn't vote for the union, and they had brought up this goon from Los Angeles, a Latino goon, 
And they called Renee over to the, to the car. They were sitting in the car and they called Renee over and they said, Renee, we want to talk to you. So Renee, very innocently, he walked up to the car. He put his head up against the window. They pulled up a gun and they shot him in the temple. And it, it just shot him in cold blood. And of all of those martyrs, oh, by the way, he left a, a wife, an 18-year-old wife, and a little baby. And of all of those five martyrs of the Union, people that gave their lives just to get the basic necessities, the same rights that other workers have. Of all of those five people that were killed, only one of the perpetrators went to prison, and that was the person that killed Rene Lopez, right? So when you think about why such a great sacrifice, you know, just to get basic human rights. But that is the kind of opposition uh, that we had. Many of us went to jail. We'd go out to the fields to talk to the workers and they put us in jail sometimes before we even had a chance to talk to the workers. But in spite of all of that, Cesar insisted we have to be nonviolent. We're not going to start going out and getting guns and shooting the labor contractors or shooting the growers or sh shooting the, st the strike breakers that come in to break our strikes. None of that. We're going to continue to be a nonviolent movement. And when we talk about nonviolence, it's not a tactic. It's got to be a philosophy. It's got to be something that we believe in, you know? And, and it's kind of hard. And of course, we know that other people besides Cesar, Mahatma Gandhi, of course, uh, in the Bible, Jesus Christ, they say, turn the other cheek. And we know it's hard to do. It's hard to do uh, to forgive other people when they uh, are mad at you or they offend you. Uh, but it's something that we have to kind of practice. And, and when Cesar talked about nonviolence, he didn't just talk about physical violence. He also talked about verbal violence when we talk bad about other people, or when we talk bad to people, and when we use chisme, you know chisme, right? Chisme is very deadly. It's, a, it's un veneno, it's like a poison. And so it takes a lot of discipline, because sometimes uh, we think things, and we don't always have to say what we think if we're mad at somebody else, you know? Sometimes we just have to kind of contain that anger and uh, count to 10 or whatever. And we know that in many schools, and I'm sure at some of your schools also, we have what we call bullying, right? You know when people bully and insult other people? Well, that's really verbal violence when we insult other people. And I want to mention one group in particular that unfortunately in our, uh, especially our Latino, uh, you might say, environment, that sometimes we insult other people because they're different. And sometimes it's a joke. Somebody has a disability, and so we kind of make fun of them, you know? Uh, but when we think about the other part of bullying is when you isolate people. When you have somebody who might have a disability, and then nobody talks to that person. And they're isolated, they're socially isolated. And that is very hurtful. That's very hurtful. So I think that one of the things that you can do at your schools is to make sure that if somebody has a disability, uh, and maybe they have a developmental disability, that we make it a point to reach out to that person and to talk to that person and to include them in everything that we do. And another area that we really have to think about, and again, we know that uh, many of us in this uh, hall, uh, we come from different religions, and some of our religions, including my own, I'm a Catholic, okay, 
that sometimes we are uh, really taught to discriminate against other people. And I'm talking about people specifically uh, who happen to be gay, lesbian, or transgender. And so we make fun of people like that. And we shouldn't do that. Because people who are gay, lesbian, or transgender son parte de nuestra familia. They're part of our family. And so we... And so sometimes we have to talk to some of our peers, some of our friends, and maybe some of our family members because they don't have the same kind of tradition or the same kind of conciencia, the same kind of consciousness that we have. And so uh, what I want to share with you on that one is when we talk uh, to our peers, our friends, our family, there is one uh, thing that we can use to, to, uh, to kind of teach them. And I'm going to use a phrase that was used by one of the Mexican presidents, uh, an indigenous president uh, from Oaxaca. His name was Benito Juarez. Okay, for those of you don't, who don't know who Benito Juarez is, he was uh, the president of Mexico after they got the independence from Spain, right? And he had, he had a very famous saying. He had a very famous saying, and uh, I'm gonna say it in Spanish, and we can use lo que dijo Benito Juarez, what he said when we talk to other people about respecting other people's rights. Él dijo, he said, el respeto al derecho ajeno es la paz, right? El respeto al derecho ajeno es la paz. <laughs> Respecting other people's rights is peace. <clears throat> so, who you love, who you live with, who you marry, even if it happens to be <clears throat> a person of the same sex, that is your business, right? And nobody else's business. Nobody else's business. And uh, you know a lot of the haters out there? You know who they are. <laughs> the haters out there, what do they do? They attack people of the gay, lesbian, transgender community. They attack women, women's right to choose, women's right to re for their own reproductive rights, uh, women's right to abortion. Uh, they attack immigrants, right? They attack because they're undocumented, they attack labor unions, and they really don't care very much about the environment. You know, they say there's no global warming. Those are the haters. <laughs> Those are the haters out there. And when it comes to women's reproductive rights, I want to say this. <clears throat> I am the mother of 11 children, okay? But in a little while, I'm going to introduce you to my daughter, Juanita. Juanita has three dogs. She's not going to have any children, okay? <clears throat> her babies, uh, her babies are Sancho, that's one of the dog's names. Sancho, uh, Paca, and Samantha, okay? Th those are her three dogs. 
And so again, lo que dijo Benita Juarez, okay? Respect my right to have 11 children. I don't think that many, too many people out there want to have that many kids. And also respect my daughter's right to only have three dogs. That's what this is all about, no? It's respecting other people's rights. So we have to remember that. And as long as we're talking about women's rights, uh, I just want to have a, a message out here for the women, okay? For the women. First of all, we know that we as women, we are not represented the way that we should be in government. We saw a lot of our great student leaders out here this morning, but when we come to the U.S. Congress, right now, we women, we're only about mm, maybe 18%. Now women, we are over half of the population. You know, women, we're the majority of the population. But when we look at government, we're not there. 18% in the U.S. Congress, and I don't know what your state legislature looks like here in Oregon. In, in California, we're doing a little bit better. We're probably about 25% of the state legislature. So at the rate that we're going, it's gonna take us over 200 years for women to have parity, to have equal, to have equality in the Congress. And that's really important because the people that are in, in, in here in, uh, let's see, Portland, I guess I just state capital here? Yeah? Oh, Salem, I'm sorry. In Salem, and the people that are in Washington, D.C., they make the decisions for us. They decide how our money is going to be spent. And so we know, like President Obama said, we should have a lot of money for childcare. For early, every child should be able to have an early childhood education, uh, all the way from kindergarten, right? Free, it should be free. Families of work shouldn't have to pay so much money uh, for, to have daycare for their children. But we don't have that. We, sh we don't have that. So the women, want to work, but you have to worry about who's going to take care of your children. Well, if we get a lot of women in office in the Congress and over here in Salem, we could have a lot of the money that we pay in taxes go to early childhood education. So it's important who gets elected to office. Elections matter because they make the decisions where our tax dollars are going to be spent. So why don't we have more women? Okay. There was a study that was done in an Ivy League college on the East Coast. And they asked all of the men, all the male students, do you think that you're qualified to run for office? And the men said, yeah, we're qualified, right? That was 85% of the men said, yes, we're qualified. When they asked the female students the same question, only 30% of the women thought they were qualified. Why is that? You know why? Because sometimes we as women think we have to be muy preparadas. We have to be really prepared. We have to know everything before we take a new position. And men don't. They just say, hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn. Okay? I'll learn on the job. But there's another reason. Because you know what? We as women, we are raised to be victims. Estamos chiquitas. From the time we're little girls, what do they tell us? Don't get that white dress dirty. Don't climb the tree. Don't take any risks, right? Because you might fall down and hurt yourself, you know? Are you wrestling with your brother or your sister? That's not ladylike. We're told somebody's going to protect you. Somebody's going to take care of you, you know? Somebody's going to support you. And we believe that. And think of the animal kingdom between the lions and the tigers and all those animals out there. 
Who are the most ferocious and the strong? The male or the female? Because they have to take care of the babies, right? So, ¿qué pasó con nosotras? You know, what happened to us? It's the way that we are raised. We're taught to think that we can't take care of ourselves, that somebody's going to take care of us. And then we're told by Walt Disney, Sleeping Beauty, don't worry about a thing, because there comes Prince Charming on his horse, and he's going to give you a big old vessel, a big old kiss. <laughs> and you're going to wake up, and you're going to live happily ever after. You know what? He doesn't exist, okay? So instead, you're going to have a pretendiente, a pretender Prince Charming, who's going to come. Ladies, think about this. He's going to give you a kiss, going to put you to sleep, and then baby's daddy's gone. Baby's daddy is gone. ¿Dónde se fue? ¿Dónde se fue? And left a young lady with a baby, okay, to take care of, no? Or as women get older, they get traded in for a, a trophy wife. Looks like the first wife, but 20 years younger, no? <laughs> so this, what this means is that, ladies, we have to remember that we have to be able to finish school. We have to think about what kind of career we're going to have, what kind of a job am I going to have, you know? So because we know that we have to take care of ourselves. Remember that. We have to take care of ourselves. And to all the educators in the room, I want to say we have to change the way that we educate our women. Our women have to be educated so that they know that they have skills, that they have self-confidence, that they can take care of themselves. Coretta Scott King said once, that we will never have peace. This is Dr. Martin Luther King's widow. She said, we will never have peace in the world until women take power. So we, women, we have to take power. And you have to believe in yourself. And I want to say this to everybody in the room, because folks of color, we have the same problem too, men and women, right? Believe in yourself. Don't let anybody take your work away from you. When you do something, put lights around it, Pound the drums, okay? Let everybody know I did it. So somebody didn't take credit for your work, okay? And have confidence in yourself, but don't let other people take away from you what you want to do in your life. Think about what you like to do, what you love to do, and go for it. Don't just think about money, okay? Think about what do I love to do and, and how can I, because uh, when we do what we love to do, then we're going to be happy in life. And sometimes people put obstacles in our way, so we can't do that. And of course, you have to finish school. You have to finish school. You have to finish school. And sometimes we have life gets in the way, but you know that saying, el rey, that song, El Rey, que dice, no hay que llegar primero, pero hay que saber llegar, right? No hay que llegar primero, pero hay que saber llegar. So if life gets in the way and uh, you don't are unable to finish school, 
and you have to drop out for a little while, come back, come back. You know, I went back to college when I was like already 25 years old. I, I finished high school, I was in college, but I did a foolish thing, I got married too young, and then I ended up getting a divorce, you know, at the, at the age of 25, but I went back to college at the age of 25. My father, Juan Fernandez, although I was not raised with my father, I was raised with my mother, my dad was abusive, so my mother left him. But my dad always wanted to have a college education. He was 55 years old when he got his college degree. 55 years old. And as you're going through school, you know, sometimes we don't know stuff. We don't know things. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes we think tenemos un orgullo falso, you know? We think we have a lot of pride, and we're afraid to ask for help. Because we say, oh, if I ask for help, they're gonna think I'm dumb. Well, you know what? We learn something new every single day. Every single day we learn something new. I am going to be 85 years old in a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> and on, on this trip here to Oregon, uh, with uh, the wonderful people, the founders of the uh, Cesar Chavez Leadership for Students, uh, uh, mis amigos aquí, uh, Sonny Montes and Jose Romero, they've been teaching me a lot of stuff that I didn't know, right? So we all learn things every single day. So don't be afraid to ask for help. One of my sons, who is now a doctor, Dr. Fidel Huerta, you know, because we traveled around so much with the union, and we were in New York City on the boycott, and we were in Chicago, and we were in Florida, and we traveled, and my son Fidel and my other son Emilio, who's now an attorney, okay, uh, they got way behind in their, in their classes. So I had to get tutors to, to, to volunteer that they could catch them up uh, so that they could finish school. But they finished. So and when you're trying to get help for whatever you need, if it's a class that you need help on, don't be, don't be uh, afraid or no tenga vergüenza to ask for help because somebody will help you. And the first person that you go to may not help you, but the second person or the third person, somebody out there will help you. So always, and don't feel like you're pestering people. You're doing them a favor, okay? You're doing them a favor. When you're asking them to help you, you are doing them a favor. So don't be afraid to ask for help because if we do ask for help, that's the way that we are able uh, to, to finish school. I also wanna say, I'm gonna use the F word, feminist. <laughs> because a feminist, a feminist is a person who cares about workers' rights, labor unions, a person who cares about the environment, who cares for, about women's rights, who cares about immigrants' rights, who cares about LGBTQ rights, okay? And the reason I like to use that word feminist is because that means that all the men in the room can also be feminists. All the men in the room can be feminists. And I want to say to the young men, <clears throat> to the young men in, 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 in this hall today, please, all you young men, look at every woman as if she were your sister or your mother. And also, uh, to the young men and some of the young women also, go to your mother or your grandmother or tu tia and say, if you don't know how to cook, tell them, please show me how to cook.
One of my other sons, Vicente, is a chef. He's the best cook in the family. And he went to school to become a chef. Because all the young men need to know that today's women, hey, we're not going to do your laundry, right? Y no te vamos a planchar la ropa tampoco, you know? And we're not going to pick up for you. So, <laughs> all of the young men, and, and by the way, some of you may have to tell your mothers that. To, to young men, you have to learn how to take care of yourselves also. And also, you have to learn how to dance, all right? <laughs> and I think dancing is very, very important. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because as you get older, what happens is your legs give out, you know? They're kind of the first to go. But if you learn how to dance and you dance a lot, you make your legs strong, right? And so when people ask me, okay, from here I'm going to go to Selma, Alabama, because they're going to celebrate the 50th, 50th anniversary of a march across the bridge. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Selma. If you haven't seen it, go see that movie where people were beaten up, African-American people were trying to get the right to vote. And they finally passed the Voting Rights Act in, the, in Washington. So I'm going to be there on that march. I was there two years ago because they dedicated that march to the immigrants. And I marched 22 miles. 22 miles. So when people ask me, how can you keep, you know, how can you do those marches? You know why? Because I like to dance. <laughs> we want to thank everyone who has listened to our podcast thus far. If you would like to learn more about Dolores Huerta, feel free to check out the Dolores Huerta Foundation at doloreshuerta.org. The organization strives to inspire and organize communities to build volunteer organizations empowered to pursue social justice. We hope you enjoyed her speech just as much as we did. And remember, si se puede. <laughs>